House by You. Oh, you know. Yeah. It's sunny, which is nice. That's nice. How much of that do you get a year? I mean, you get a decent part more and more as it gets into summer. Like summer is almost like everyday sunny. Mm-hmm. Really, really nothing, no clouds to speak of. But then the rest of the year, you know, the stereotype is kind of true. And so it's it's been nice. How can... how how are things by you? Oh, they're okay. It's, it is raining. Weather-wise, oh. it's kind of bleak right now, chilly and it's raining. And most of this week is going to be like that, unfortunately. Uh, my child's elementary school, my child, but uh, her school's mm-hmm. opening next week, re- fully reopening. Yeah, Isaac is... is going back part part way. Yeah, next week. But they, but you've got the full thing going. The full thing. She's been she's been going two days, and then they upped it to three, so they've been easing it back in. And they've got new guidelines. You know, the kids can be three feet apart. They can take down the dividers. It's very scary because numbers are not good. So it's like, what's happening? I feel like we know nothing about this as it pertains to kids. Right. They seem to be pretty confidently saying it doesn't spread through school. And yet she's quarantined twice and we get emails daily about all the cases. Now, granted, yeah, they're not getting them at school. Fine. I guess I take your word for it. But they go to school. Right. And whether or not it spreads at school is less of my concern. I just think we we don't know. We see who people who've had COVID who suddenly have all these other adverse effects. Yeah. And I think what will happen if kids were asymptomatic for COVID and then they're 30 and all of a sudden everybody's getting, you know, something or other. Right. I'm just like, we just don't know what, what we're dealing with. And I mm-hmm. feel like we're being so cavalier. Yeah. Yes. And uh, I had to get a little clever with my movie going last week. Speaking of, you know, the real important applications of Mm -hmm. all this stuff. I had the ticket for for Godzilla Kong and I had an IMAX ticket. And I thought as I was on my way, I thought, you know what? I bet that's going to be if people go, they're going to go there. And so I did the little trick where you go in and like you're going to buy another ticket so you can see what seats have sold. Right. And yeah, it was packed. Um, And they do a really weird thing where they you know how they they sell you a seat and then they put like the x's around yeah, you yeah they will they will overlap those do you know what i mean like overlap. i assumed i assumed that how do i explain this i assumed that if i bought a ticket someone else would have to be at least two seats away from me uh-huh. because their little buffer would you know and that would make a buffer of two seats right. no they will overlap the two seats so and the they buffer will is a, for for both of you one yes, one seat buffer one seat buffer mm. and it was two you know and I always get my tickets early and grab that front row seat and so I said no so I downgraded myself to the normal theater and I was one of two people very distanced and uh, well I was going to say I enjoyed the movie I guess we'll talk about that <laughs> well here's uh, my here's my experience I completely mistimed my day I don't know how I did it. Because I'm usually pretty careful about, well, then I need to go to this place and then time to drive from here and all this stuff. And I was like 45 minutes off. And then I realized that really I was only like 15 minutes off. And mm-hmm. if I missed another 15 minutes of previews, who cares? You sure. know, I could still go to Kong right now because like what I want to leave the house again another time. Right. And so I stumbled in to the darkened theater. You know, I was maybe three or four minutes late into the feature. I didn't figure I'd have any trouble catching on. No. To what was happening. Yeah. But my eyes 
could not adjust to the darkness. Oh no. <laughs> and so I was just standing in the back and I always get like a back seat off to the side, but people don't sit in their assigned seats. No, so they I'm don't. thinking like, am I going to flop into a chair that somebody is sitting in? Right. Cause I absolutely couldn't see a thing. And I ended up being that guy to flashlight his way to my seat oh, boy. in the darkness. It drove me crazy before COVID that people I don't know if it's because they're doing box office and the theater's not doing a good job communicating the seat that they have right. chosen because I'm, of course I'm an over planner and I'm a subscriber. So I'm like, I have a whole science about choosing right. my seat, but now during COVID you think people would be very interested in where am I sitting and where are other right. people sitting, but nope. No, they're, they're not. And I mean, as it was, it was in their biggest theater. It's a pretty small little multiplex, just eight screens at this place where I go. Mm. And it, Kong was in their biggest theater. I bet there were five of us in there. Mm-hmm. Well, that's that's pretty good then. Yeah. Uh, so I this happens every week where because we have the two weeks between episodes, I start to think, oh my goodness, I've seen too many movies. How are we going to manage this? And then when I look at it, I really saw four new movies yeah. and then a couple of a couple of extra things for fun. So that I have, sounds like a normal episode size for us. Yeah, not too bad. And I don't know. Uh, I, I know most of them are are the same. Uh, I guess the question is whether you caught up with Shiva Baby and whether I missed anything that you saw. Uh, no, I I saw the four that you have listed here. Okay. Uh, and then there were two on the side. I'm looking back also to see if there's anything we didn't catch up on. You did you, at this point. You know, I would not uh, strain yourself to catch up with Long Weekend, but if it's ever like streaming somewhere, yeah, I couldn't I'd even still find it. Your... I, I looked, and you also—I mean, and this was just for my own amusement—caught caught up with that um, Kristen Johnson. Play. Oh, you're right, and I didn't put it on my uh, diary, so that's why it's not here. That's oh, why we I don't need it. to talk about it. It just yeah. <laughs> wasn't that terrible. Yes. What was that oh. called? What's it it was called? called Deadly Illusions. Yeah. <laughs> which seems like it should have a Z and be like written on the back of a car. And by like a... bad, I mean really good. Yes. I... Well, it's, it's pure Dan yes. content. It's complete camp. Like I enjoyed every second of that <laughs> yeah. movie. But how ill-begotten. And I didn't know what it was because that, that title could be anything. Right. And then it starts out and you're like, okay, is it going to be like a kind of, uh, you know, intrigue in the suburbs kind of movie what what is this and it never i it was just baffling me till the end and it kind of devolves into basically what it sounds like which is a lifetime movie about a crazy nanny right i thought there was a supernatural element for a lot of it yeah and there was not it was all explainable the characters did not behave like humans behave (laughs) everything was bizarre about it the details have mostly gone now, but yeah, it was, um, yeah, the, uh, the, 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 Kristen, I don't say Stewart, it's not Stewart, it's Davis. Kristen Davis, her, uh, and you know, great actress, but, um, baffling portrayal. I, I don't know, but maybe it's the script. I didn't oh, get it was her. The, it was the script. I think as this, like, she's almost kind of like a catty joan collins authoress kind of a thing but then she's not she's kind of a mom and she's kind of nice and her it was all over the place well she has just a natural sweetness you know that exuded yeah. through her character on sex in the city and it's just sort of who she is as an actress and i i liked it but then when she tries to 
when she tries to do something that is out of that character, it comes off as really uncomfortable. Like when she screamed at her, whatever, liaison at the publishing house. Right. And the person that, that didn't seem like a real response to a simple suggestion they were making. Right. And then the rest of the movie isn't really, they made such a big deal out of the tension of that choice. Right. And I guess you could say if she hadn't made that choice, things wouldn't have gone the way they go in the rest of the movie, but it just didn't need to have that much whatever. Or maybe what if she had been reticent about taking an offer like that only to discover that her husband really messed up with their money. And so, okay, I'm going to write one more. And that's how this gets going. There was no reason for her to have that hostile Mm -hmm. blow up at a stranger. Right. Anyway, we've talked way too much yes, about I this know. one. I didn't one more thing to though. talk about it. it. Am I crazy or is part of their living room outdoors? Part of that living room is outdoors. <laughs> okay. I was so, so taken with that house. Right. I don't live in that house. Yeah. I guess if you live in like Southern California or something, you can have a house. These people who think the... they have money problems. <laughs> I, know. I mean, I know that it's all relative, but you yeah. could sell that house, go live in some other place right. and live just you won't have to work another day in your life yeah yeah uh madness okay do we want to get uh godzilla kong out of the way yeah we were kind of talking about it before and in a in a a special uh curveball move can i ask you to uh introduce it for us yeah if you give me one second you can (laughs) sorry you were counting on me doing i'm sorry that was no it's okay i I can do it if you want me to i don't know if you're gonna be surprised by this or not but i wasn't prepared when i Uh signed on to this (laughs) All right. Well, Godzilla versus Kong is a 2021 American monster film directed (laughs) by Adam Wingard. That seems like a bit of a slur. There's a whole universe that I wasn't familiar with because I did miss Godzilla King of the Monsters and I did miss Kong Skull Island. (laughs) And I think that those would have been crucial to understanding what I was watching. It's the fourth film in the monster verse. Yes. Right? That's kind of interesting. 36th Godzilla, 12th King Kong. It's kind of interesting, mm-hmm. don't you think? Mm-hmm. Yeah. And so I didn't know much about this. I did read up the, on the review on Ebert. Did you read it? I don't think I did. No. Okay. Well, Ebert, award, I mean, not Ebert, but, you know, <laughs> people writing for Ebert, awarded it four stars and compared it to the Tree of Life. Oh, my goodness. I am not kidding. What? I know. <laughs> I was, Come on. I was delighted by that. They they loved everything about it. It was just this is the best movie they've ever seen. Was it Matt and, Zoller sites? Because it I don't sounds remember. like his kind of nonsense. I don't remember. But anyway, here's what happened from my um perspective. Godzilla's back and destroys a big crazy dark what's the word I'm looking for? Neon y futuristic factory. And also there's Kong who lives in a habitat that is fake. It's a fake habitat. It looks yeah. like it's but, like but a... inside, but inside the real habitat that it is. Mimicking. Right. It's yeah. like a holodeck or mm-hmm. it's, it appeared to me. I don't know. Anyway, um, they need to take Kong out of this place and return him to hollow earth, which I guess is in the middle of the earth. I had a lot of questions about <laughs> hollow earth mm-hmm. because mm-hmm. In one sense, they need this anti-gravity thing so that people aren't just smashed when they get there, right? Right. But then, remember when Godzilla made a little hole in Hong Kong yes. and it connected immediately to Hollow <laughs> right. Earth 
and Kong just climbed out. Yeah, and they just flew out in like five minutes like, from the center of the earth. What? <laughs> so I just felt like that was a little inconsistent. And I also wondered, maybe this was explained in a previous installment, of what the like the light and warmth source is of Hollow Earth. Like, why, is, why can you see down there? This was an, a, a concept completely original to this film okay. and explained a little bit in boring expository dialogue by, uh, what's his name, Damien Bashir, the, the villain, who uh, wants to tap it. They, they just right. the, they theorize that this power source must exist yes. in the hollow earth that no one has ever seen, and they need to tap into it so that they can fight Godzilla. Right, because that's the only thing that you can, that's strong enough. And so, like they like Kong. At first off, I thought if it's going to be Godzilla versus Kong, Kong is going to win, be, not because Kong is more powerful. Godzilla is able to like shoot out what like atomic bombs out of his mouth. Yeah. But Kong is the one you feel for. Kong has this right. kind of telepathic relationship with this young girl who speaks to him in sign language and shows emotion in his face, whereas Godzilla seems like that one of the dinosaurs from jurassic park that you just want to get rid of right so you're thinking if it's going to come down to a to a duo climax fight right it's going to be kong um but as we i don't think that i'm spoiling anything here you know so just skip ahead nah, yeah, you yeah. don't want to right but <clears throat> um this this guy he has technology of his own that he thinks that with this power source he can make a robot big enough to def- you know powerful enough to defeat right. Godzilla. That's why he wants to send this crew of scientists down to collect this, including his, what is it, his daughter? Yes. Boy, was she self-assured right. straight from the, straight from acting school. <laughs> I don't know. That, that was such a strange cast. Yes. That, that character was cast so strangely. Yeah. Anyway, yeah. they make it down there. And then there's also this um, kind of like QAnon style podcaster who thinks that there's a big conspiracy about what these Titans Godzilla and Kong, who, even though they're monsters with all this evolution in them, they also understand the world. And so Godzilla doesn't like that this one plant is being used to create a robot to go after him. So he destroys that plant. How does Godzilla know that? How can he sense it? But he just does. Excellent question. Yeah. Then there's a child, two children who like the podcaster. They seek him out. They get in a pod that takes them from Pensacola to Hong Kong. Don't ask. (laughs) <laughs> and what do they uncover there? Like that's some real crack security they got going at the Apex building right. where these people just walk about undetected into the most sensitive areas of the plant. Um and yeah, so there's big robot emerges and fights Kong, fights Godzilla, they're all fighting. And I kinda like those sequences. And in the end, um Kong will be fine and Godzilla will be fine and People learn some lessons about themselves and about the earth and about Titans. And what what was happening with the plot? <laughs> Did it make any sense? Um No, I guess the no, you're not really missing that much. I mean, it's a lot it's a lot of surface and it's just gotten um because it's the monster universe now. You know, it started right. with a standalone Godzilla movie in 2014. The reboot started there. And it was a very grounded movie just about you know reintroducing the character of Godzilla and I think Godzilla is mm-hmm. a little more sympathetic and has a little more background than this movie it just kind of assumes you knew that but I see you know for you you felt like Kong was the one who had the sympathy Godzilla is also supposed to be considered a protector of humans and so it's odd in the beginning of this movie that he's hurting people and destroying things so that's why, 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 why he's grumpy 
Why does a character like Godzilla care about humanity? That's an excellent question because in most in the in the original versions of this, and I think in this version too, he is a product of mankind's you know uh, hubris and pollution and nuclear uh, catastrophe. He is like I thought. I thought his ancestors came from ages ago. Uh, yeah, I guess that's what they do in this because of the of the Titan thing. You're right. Uh, and the originally, the original Japanese Godzilla is a product of the atom bomb, right. so it's right, like right, right. you know man's mistakes that, coming back. That literally. makes a lot of sense to me. So I guess because he is ancient, uh, and does he come? I don't. Is he from Hollow Earth too? All the monsters are. I don't think so. I think okay. just Kong is, just... and there's other characters too that you know Kong enjoys ripping their head apart at the jaws right. and drinking it like ale. Cheer, yeah, yeah, yeah. So we got Alexander Skarsgård as hot doctor. And we've got um, Millie Bobby Brown. I don't watch Stranger Things, but isn't she from Stranger yes, Things? Yes, she is. That whole plot with the podcaster and she with the... But that didn't make any sense. Why were right. they even involved? I guess because they'd been in the previous movie? Yeah. No, she was. The others weren't. Oh, okay. Millie Bobby Brown's in the previous uh, King but of the Monsters. Brian Tyree Henry was his character? He's, no, he's new. Okay. I have a question about him. <laughs> why, you know, why does he bathe in bleach? Why does he feel he can be undetected they can catch you from your phone on twitter you know like how has he managed right. to outrun every security person he's just living in an apartment the human characters in these movies are like just little connective exposition machines yeah. and, and in the old ones they're just boring scientists who just say we built the weapon and here comes godzilla and uh, they're i guess they're trying to make it more funny and interesting and engaging yeah. but it's so paper thin that yeah, I guess they're trying to do things that seem like oh, this is a modern twist. He's a podcast conspiracy guy. Mm -hmm. It doesn't make sense though. All right, so <laughs> I think that's enough on this one. <laughs> oh, I was gonna <laughs> no. You go ahead. No, take shout outs yeah. <laughs> to Rebecca Hall. Rebecca Hall, <laughs> Doctor Aline Andrews, yeah, and uh, Kaylee Hoddle. I mean, very sincere child actor playing mm -hmm. Gia, mm -hmm. um, a, a young deaf orphan iwi native according to the rundown here forms a special bond with kong um kyle chandler i guess he was just in the previous movie because otherwise yes. why was he there right and then some henchmen yeah, yeah. i mean it's like trash but i i didn't you know i don't want to say i enjoyed yeah. it that's the wrong word but i wasn't like bored i was incredulous right. at a lot of what was <laughs> happening but on its own terms, if you just want to watch the monsters kind of fight each other, and I did like the idea of Hollow Earth, that idea kind of like makes my imagination leap to think like there's a whole other mm -hmm. terrestrial area in the center of the Earth. I like that idea. But how? And I right. hope that that had been explored in a previous installment. And so I'm disappointed if all we know of that place is what was provided by this movie, because I just don't think that important information right. was adequately supplied i think there's a couple throwaway lines in previous movies i think bradley whitford says something in king of the monsters that they're just just sowing the seeds uh you know for the cinematic universe of the existence of a hollow earth but nothing major the other crazy thing as someone who has seen all of these movies all of the off-screen stuff that it happened so that little girl who's been adopted by rebecca hall her entire people uh, inhabit Skull Island in Kong Skull Island. 
which is an entertaining movie and and a lot of fun. But um, there is a they mentioned very casually early in this film that if a storm killed all of her people and she's the only one left, huh? And she gets adopted by uh, the scientist. So is Skull Island part of this world or Hollow Earth? Skull Island is a part of this Earth. It's an uncharted place. And so that Kong movie takes place in the 60s in like a uh, Apocalypse Now kind of a vibe where, you know, some of the some scientists go and, and discover it, basically. How is that girl left from the 60s? Uh, I, don't, I think the storm happened more recently than that. Oh, the storm happened like, yeah, I guess in, in the 21st century sometime. But just not in events that are covered by any of the films. Remember in the middle of the night when it's storming and Kong is raging and a little girl like walks through like the yes. waterfall at the end of the Canyon River Rapids ride, right. you know, just soaking herself right. and her blanket like out of bed. <laughs> and she's walking across and the woman, the daughter of the, the henchman of the evil guy goes like, she's supposed to be out there. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Oh yeah, she just runs about at night on a on yeah. the back of a ship in the in the storm next to a humongous right. humongous gorilla. Yeah, it's not, that's all right. We're okay and with then, that. And then and then Kong immediately senses her and is like, "Huh? What? Oh hi!" He stops raging. Mm-hmm. He's like, "Hey, what's up?" Right. Instead of like pulling her back and saying, "Hey, come to safety. Right. Why are you soaked?" And like when the whole ship like overturns, yeah, like the Poseidon adventure, people get over that with nary a backward glance. Mm-hmm. That that whole traumatizing incident of right. of having your little closed space fill up with water, a oh. lot of amazing last minute plans that somehow works. Like right. turn off all the lights on the aircraft carrier, and right. they'll think we're dead. And then the, how they, of course, the, this is major spoiler. This is the end of the whole thing. Pouring a drink on the on the right on the soundboard, yes. basically. Right, there's no backup for something that sophisticated and, they and have important. A, a, an epiphany moment. Drink. Right. Oh my god! That I don't even really think rough. I could kill my laptop by doing that. Right. <laughs> but hey. Yeah, I didn't love this one, and I thought it was going to be a lot of fun because I've these movies don't really mean anything to me, but they're fun and colorful and shiny and. And uh, they're pretty well made. I mean, so. you liked the Tree of Life, so I, I did. figured you probably so, like yes. this one. This is uh, an update to that, obviously. That's crazy. Uh, yeah. So this is what it is. It's it's not bad. No. It's not great. It's fun. It is what it's supposed to be, I guess. Four stars. Oh, okay. <laughs> <laughs> Roger Ebert. Yeah, I know. I I looked that up while we were talking. It was. Uh, Matt Zoller sites, of course. Mm. Uh, anyway, okay, great. <laughs> well, I guess nobody is next. Uh, yeah, you can introduce uh, let this me one. Type it in. Nobody, the, the 2021 American action thriller film directed by <laughs> uh, Ilya Nochler and written by Derek Kolstad, starring Bob Odenkirk, Connie Nielsen, The Rizza, Alexei Serebrakov. And Christopher Lloyd. Good to see Christopher Lloyd, although, I don't know. Uh, This is uh, a film about a man, a suburban dad, whose home is invaded in a kind of bungled robbery, a sort of successful robbery that goes off the rails. Uh, And he chooses, we see in the darkness, that he has 
the impulse and the opportunity to take a swing at these robbers. And for some reason he decides not to. And uh, when it's all over, his neighbors are kind of uh, man shaming him. Uh, if that had been my house, I would have, uh, you know, look out. And, uh, you know, we begin to think that there's something going on, that this man is holding back something intense. Um, and so we come to learn that he used to be what is called a, not an accountant. What was, was it an accountant? I guess maybe it was an accountant. No, uh, no. A, um, what is, what does the IRS do? The, an auditor. That's what he is. He's an auditor. Mm-hmm. Sorry. He is an auditor, which means that he worked for unnamed Oh, I guess he's the guy. Yeah, he's the guy that the uh, the CIA and the FBI and everybody else calls in to do the dirty work that they don't want to have on their hands. Ha! As if there was dirty work mm-hmm. that the FBI and the CIA didn't want to have on their hands. Uh, but he left that life to settle down and start a family. I get which okay, but then I have a million questions just about that alone. It seems like this movie, which stars Bob Odenkirk, that's the big reason to see this movie mm-hmm. is that it's a John Wick style, uh, you know, one man killing machine gets reawoken and pulled back into the business. Uh, but why thriller, right? Uh, and because it's Bob Odenkirk, I'm there front row. I right. couldn't wait for this movie. Can you I, imagine? A different person cast in this role? No, if it was just like typical action guy, right? This would be the most disposable movie of the year, perhaps. Yeah, yeah. I mean, you picked up on a lot more plot than I did. <laughs> uh, but that's it. It ends there. I was waiting then to get answers, and we get we get some th- weird things happen. Things are revealed, like who his family is, who his brother is. His dad gets in on the action. Christopher Lloyd is his father. Uh, Riza is his brother. Um, but I felt like this movie teases a whole lot of intensity and 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 rage under the surface, and then lets it out in terms of production and fighting and violence, but not in terms of story. There is no uh, Connie Nielsen. Why do you cast someone like Connie Nielsen if she's got nothing to do? And we... what what was her association? It made it seem like they used to be old partners in this. Right. That's 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 what I meant earlier when I'm like, they sort of like what's the nature of their agreement? Did he didn't meet her and fall in love and then leave this secret life behind? They right. made a deal and like drew up a contract or something. It seems like he's even trained his son to be some kind of agent, right? I don't know because he wouldn't. He didn't want to do anything in front of his son, and his the son was son kind did, of ashamed of him. The son didn't seem very concerned about these major situations he's walking into, and like you don't, a typical suburban sixteen-year-old doesn't jump an armed robber. I think I guess, but I, to me, it seemed like that's one of the movie's big blind spots. Is what about the kids? I totally expected more child endangerment because why do you have a suburban dad with kids, right? And then you don't. They're fine. His attitude is, well, it was nice while it lasted having this family in this house. I'm sure they're going to be fine. The kids are never threatened. And I just walk out of the movie in the middle. Right. So we've got this initial hit on their house that seems to be an accident. Right. These two people were desperate. They show up. They're trying to rob them. They really picked the wrong person. Did they have connections 
to the Russian operation? No, because all that did was put him out on the street late at night after right. he that so that he's in the bus at this the right time. This entire thing is based on an unbelievable coincidence. Right. Right? That's what I thought. Okay. Yeah. So he's on this bus, and as the bus like is at a light, this car smashes into a girder next to it. And you think something might come of that. No, the people in it just stagger out. And they decide they're going to get on the bus and Drunk harass Russian the other guys. people on the bus. Yeah. That is ridiculous. Yeah, and he just right. happens to be on this bus and he has had a taste for blood again. And he just wants to beat these men. And so it, you can no longer root for him because he's clearly a murderer. And no, and not just like on behalf of the FBI or CIA, just because on a random night, because I'm on the bus and I feel like beating up some Russians. Right. Yeah. Yeah. That is yeah. that. That's what happened. Right. Yeah. That's it. That's okay. it. Okay. All right. And then there's this operation with all this cash at, that these Russians have, and right, when silly, he yeah. breaks in there to like overtake that establishment, burn it to the ground, that is undershown. Like to right. me, what would what would have been the action climax of a movie like that was yeah. barely shown in flashback. Right. Right. And then it cuts to him. Sitting in the nightclub owned by the villain, presenting himself like, hey, what's up? Are we doing this? And right. I was like, what happened? Did they cut out 20 minutes of of plot? Right. And I know that he's supposed to be extra talented and capable yeah. at murder, but he just did the impossible against yeah. a room of heavily armed people. Uh, several rooms. Many. I don't and know, almost room. at a comedic pace. Yeah. It right. Is... So, so fast without explanation. And the fact that it like bluffed in that moment was all the more ridiculous. And so then we finally have the, okay, so then he tries to buy his father-in-law's business and he's previously been put off. Here's where I got, not where I got lost because I was lost long before, but he pours out some gold bars to the father-in-law. Who in the world would know what that was worth and think that was a great deal? Right. And I'm going to, and did you really (laughs) just purchase something? This is like a real estate and business transaction. Are you just going to walk away with your gold bars? what right, and then right. the brother-in-law like tries to punch him because he's been yeah. on violence and what will i ever do what and then they have this crazy <laughs> shootout with christopher lloyd and rizza i i was i was shocked by that point how nothing made sense and here's why i was shocked not just because things didn't make sense but because they could have written a story that did make sense with us with similar characters and a similar situation and they just decided not to care about that. Mm-hmm. This movie didn't work to me on any level. No, it, it really didn't. And to me, it was so disappointing because I was kind of amped for it. And I wanted it to be dumb. I've seen the John Wick films. I like the John Wick I films. I like that kind of dumb thing. And uh, yeah, and I thought this would just be that, but with the twist of having an unexpected actor. And and I, But I think that they were so patting themselves on the back for the cast that they kind of gave up after that. They didn't, they forgot to put in any more work because right. it's so thin and it does a little bit of what the John wick movies do well, which is create this bizarre lore in this world of, of contract killers and this hotel and uh, special coins and all this weird stuff. That's so fun and weird that there's only a little bit of it in here. That whole idea of this, this bank for the Russian mafia that's in this lobby of an abandoned hotel or something and that's not explained well enough. And then he just destroys it. I didn't find the villain very compelling. He was, he seemed like he no. was supposed to be, but he, I, it was very, very, th- everything was very thin. Everything was yeah, very slight. I feel like, I mean, it's nothing we haven't seen before, 
But you've got this guy who's living his workaday thing. I thought it was, you know, they're doing the style about how every day is the same and cut, cut, cut in the beginning, right? And he just is a loser. We've seen movies like this, but we get it. And then he's emasculated by the attack in the home, and he wants to do something about it. That that sort of a thing makes sense to me. But then have what he does make sense. Right. We can't accept him as an anti-hero when he just seems to be getting off hurting people. I feel yeah. like the anti-hero would be thrust into it, like he and his family are actually threatened, and so he mobilizes this training that they don't know that he has. And that's right. satisfying to watch because he's defending himself. But and the, yeah. he's not defending himself. No. He's the aggressor. And the way that his, that his, the character seems to... I I needed him to have a little more uh, thought for his family. A little mm-hmm. more... They're just gone once he's back in. And he kind of shrugs it off like, oh, well, you have, there's two kids whose lives will go on. In the end scene, in the in the little epilogue scene where they're looking at a house, mm-hmm. he and Connie Nielsen. Right. So apparently they're taking another go. Where are the kids? What action is being taken to protect or train or whatever? You know, like I know that this is just a movie that's supposed to be surface action and maybe that stuff doesn't matter. But I, I thought there was just enough of the family in the beginning that I did care about what happened to them. I don't know. Right. Yeah, it's v- bizarre. And like they're like, do you have a basement? As if she's trying to encourage this life. And what was that basement? But like to be set up as an incinerator, that's what you need? What? Yeah. Uh, Yeah. It's it's all the like, it's cool movie stuff that's almost completely unearned. Like it's just, well, now we're going to do the part with the big fire and the slow motion and the mission prep or the, you know, the Home Alone style setting of traps or whatever. Like, and none I thought of it about Home Alone fits. too. Yeah, <laughs> that's exactly what it was like in some parts. Was Home Alone, but it wasn't sa- Home Alone satisfying. Oh yeah, this I don't mean was, this is no Tree of Life, uh, right? God's, I'm not comparing it in a good way. I'm right. just saying, like the level of the yeah, traps no, that yes. are set are like a Home Alone trap. Yeah, but they're set that just like. But here's the other thing about this movie: everything is set up and immediately paid off. Set up, mm-hmm. immediately paid off. Everything. And that's so weird. You'd think that a movie would, you know, even if it's even if it's a slick, cool action thriller, plant a few seeds and then don't... I guess the cat is the one thing that they kind of tease. And then... But even that didn't come to anything. It was just a cat there. Okay, I didn't great. understand. He There was just a cat and he wanted to rescue it. Who would put it in their coat and then grab a thing of cat? Right. Nobody would. And... and- do you see Sorry, what I yeah. just said? Yeah. <laughs> that was accidental. Um, and I wish the film would have been more honest about who he was. Because right. then those two agents who are questioning him get like a phone call. And they're supposed to be like really impressed at what right. presence they're in. No, the screenwriter doesn't even know. And neither does the audience. No one has any concept who this person could possibly be. And the cat thing speaks to my complaint about the family because there is the line where his his he tells his daughter or his daughter says it's time to get a kitty cat and he says you know what I think you're right, and so finding a cat is mm. like oh we can have a cat now there could be a, a family thing there can be a wholesome but no at that point did, has he like walked away from his children I guess not they're back the, the fact that they sidestep the kids for the second half of the movie to me is too cheap you have to do something with it you have to 
tell us what is going on in his mind. Yeah, and I, I know people order their family relationships and expectations in all sorts of ways, but let me tell you something that would have been consistently unacceptable in the households that I've been part of, mm-hmm. where you come in from your day, mm-hmm. it's time for dinner, uh, something sets you off, like the loss of a kitty cat bracelet, mm-hmm. without a word to anyone, you walk out the door, you leave for hours <laughs> without an explanation, you come back in the middle of the night, and your significant other goes, where'd you go? Right, right. <laughs> what? Yeah. And they needed to decide definitively if she, I mean, it, it seems definitive that she knows something of his former life and perhaps was yes. even part of it. But then why is she, her behavior is weird then. Right. It's it's kind of straddling that line of like concerned wife who doesn't know what's going on and person who's completely in the know. And, it, right. you know, I feel like if this movie made enough money, they will probably explore that stuff in the next one. But I feel like they just blew it here. Yeah. I, I'm not interested in another one. It's one of the worst movies I've seen in a while. Wow. For me. Yeah. Yeah. I found it very disappointing. And um, yeah, not great. Uh, I thought I had something else in the chamber about this, but no, nah, it's just, it's disappointing. I, oh, if it serves as a stepping stone of, of getting Bob Odenkirk into more interesting things, I guess mm-hmm. it'll be part of that process and it'll have some value. He's the but, only uh, saving grace that can try to make a nobody character like yeah. partly human. Right. I did enjoy watching him like I always do. Yeah. It's a, it's one of those bizarre things because he's just been, it's not like he's a comedian who then gets in movies he's got such a he's already he's got such a long career already this is such a strange late turn but i love it mm-hmm. uh i just wish this movie was better all right i'm gonna give you dealer's choice for which of the two remaining I'm doing, new releases i'm doing shiva baby all right <laughs> which by the way i loved okay you seemed a little ambivalent would. about it yeah I, um, I figured you did yeah all right so it's a 2020 comedy film written and directed by emma seligman and I'm reading straight from Wikipedia here because I love this. It stars uh, Rachel Sennett as Danielle, a directionless young bisexual. <laughs> we've, we've all known a DYB. Um, and she, uh, she, attends, uh, she, she attends a shiva with her family. And her worlds collide here because she has been having this uh, sugar daddy relationship with Max, played by Danny DeFerrari. And she has been presenting herself to him as uh, being in law school and that she's doing this in order to pay her way through and he wants to support her. And really, we come to learn that as a lie. She is uh, kind of going from place to place and doesn't have any real prospects. And perhaps she's more describing her ex-girlfriend, Maya, played by Molly Gordon, who is in law school, maybe kind of taken on pieces of her identity that she shares with Max and perhaps other men. Um, unfortunately, at this uh, shiva of this person she knows only distantly, both Max and Maya show up and things just begin unraveling for her as she tries to navigate um, her parents, played by Fred Melamed and Polly Draper, um, as well as Max's turns out wife, uh, played by uh, Diana Agron, and a baby come in that she did not know about. And this is an just a continually unraveling social nightmare mm. where everything goes from bad to worse. And I, 
I'll, I'll let you speak about it first, but just like stylistically how we went from reality into her panicked mind and back out again. And every human situation in this um, complex where everyone has like suspicions, um, but there's also some warmth and care among the characters. And then the final thing with everybody in the van at the end, I was just like cackling with laughter at how awful the moment was for absolutely everybody in that van. And so I, I just enjoyed this movie a lot. It gave me a lot of, a lot of entertainment. Mm. Uh, yeah, I think this movie is tremendously effective and I, I admired it. The reason that I became even aware of it though, was because people will not stop talking about how great it is mm. and insisting that everybody see it. it's one of those like uh, zeitgeisty Twitter film movie things. Well, I mean, it's and not like so, that. Uh, what's that? I mean, it's not like that. No. Okay. I mean, I'm not saying that it's not zeitgeisty on Twitter, but I'm saying like, I don't think it lives up to that hype. Oh, no, no, no. Yeah. Um, I just heard about it. I had never heard of it and heard about it so much in 48 hours that I was like, fine, I'll push play. And I didn't hate this movie. I have some misgivings just about how unpleasant it was. And I don't know that it got, it was so intense and so mm-hmm. effective as an anxiety nightmare yes. that I had a little trouble with the humor. I figured you wouldn't because I know that's your <laughs> oh, I flavor. I loved every moment. <laughs> and uh, <laughs> it was so uncomfortable and increasingly so. As one I literally... who for years has had multiple worlds colliding in right. any given room. <laughs> yeah. I could I... not look at the screen sometimes. It was really? so uncomfortable. Yeah. Oh, see, my Josh would feel the same way about mm-hmm. that. He would he would hate mm-hmm. like the secondary embarrassment and just the pulsating panic attack anxiety. I loved how whenever <laughs> she and Max would come together, there was some bit of disaster mm-hmm. in the room, like the spilled coffee or the broken right. vase, or like whenever they get close to each other, it's catastrophe. Mm-hmm. You know? Mm-hmm. I have a question about iPhones. Can you have it unlocked? Is that possible? Um, you can leave your phone behind and have just anyone open it up. Oh yeah, I could. Really? I, guess I shouldn't. I, guess I shouldn't say that, but yeah, you can turn off any kind of uh, of a really? passcode or face. Up. Yeah, I want to yeah. do that on mine. I hate always having to be. Oh seen. yeah, I never. I always turn it off. And now they try. Whenever there's an update, they force you to do a passcode and everything. I disable oh. that immediately. You have to do it when you set it up, and then you can go in and turn it off. Oh, see, I want to do that because I was kind of like the whole a, lot, a big thrust of a plot point is kind of based on the idea of right. leaving a phone unlocked. Mm-hmm. But I, I can, sort of, I sort of yeah. thought that was earned, though. Like it didn't seem completely out of the realm of possibility with yeah, no, the stuff that was going possible. on with the phones. Right, right. And I love, I loved the the wife. Um, what mm-hmm. was what was her name? Oh uh, um, yeah, I don't remember. In the thing, Kim, mm-hmm. uh, played by Diana Agron. I mm-hmm. thought that she walked that tightrope yes. of sweetness and also completely suspicious and right, right. on to things, but also not confronting but right. you but just in her face you could and see then that able they're... able in a turn to be like oh wait maybe she doesn't right maybe i'm reading it into it and then like oh no she knows and, and then keeping, yeah, she, yeah continuing yeah. to ask sus- the right suspicious questions <laughs> right and like i would love the scene of the of max and kim and the baby when they got in the house mm-hmm. after this whole ordeal <laughs> right, right yeah what follow up with happen? all the characters would be fascinating Right, a little like Christopher Guest epilogue, yeah, of like each one t- telling what happened after afterwards. Yeah. Right. My so my reaction to it is not a critique. It, it's very effective, and I know that this is what it wants to be. I just found it 
almost too uncomfortable. I guess if I had a critique of the writing, it's just that the 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 protagonist, what's her name again? Um, Danielle. Danielle. Uh, her her constant panicked lying felt like such a sitcom-y thing Mm -hmm. where anything anyone says to her no i'm not i was uh and then she makes up a story and like i know characters do that in movies and it represents the anxiety and the lies that we all constantly tell each other but i felt like she only responds that way to every single character right and it made her less sympathetic to me which i think she kind of needs to be a little sympathetic uh but that's an can you imagine being in a relationship with her no like the drama, like between the two houses where she and Maya kind of have it out, but not really just very much on the surface. Mm-hmm. And then it's like, Oh, let's be together again. And you right. know, that it's just, just another train wreck in, mm-hmm. in her life. She's just, she's just a disaster. Yeah. By the way, I, it says here in the Wikipedia summary, um, uh, Danielle follows him upstairs talking about her, uh, Matt, uh, who's the guy, Max. Max? Yeah. Mm-hmm. Follows him upstairs and tries to give him a blowjob, but he leaves. And the word blowjob is highlighted because it's Wikipedia and you can, <laughs> you can click for more information. <laughs> Did you? <laughs> no, but when you hover, you get a nice, uh, illustration. <laughs> Very graphic. That's surprisingly, uh, <laughs> you're right. Wow. It's full. Oh, you're, yeah, you're there. Surprising. Um, anyway. <laughs> Yeah, so this movie's very effective. People are right. It is uh, something to see. I like that it's short, and I was going to say sweet. It is not sweet. <laughs> it is I'm, short. And, oh, I missed uh, this part, that when they found the phone, they read notifications from the Sugar Baby app. I just thought it was texts. Oh. So it's like even more clear of how mm-hmm. they know each other. Mm-hmm. That should that should have been played up a little bit. Maybe yeah. I'm just dull, but that would have made a little more sense. Uh, I felt... And this is, I don't know. I felt shades of um, the same dread and tension from uh, a serious man, mm. which I don't mean to be like overly obvious and, and uh, eye roll worthy by saying because they're both Jewish. But I think there is something to like a very black Jewish comedy that is not afraid to look at uh, this kind of social calamity. <laughs> And this right. kind of like just everything going wrong and what are you going to do about it? Like I felt like that same kind of spirit as, as that movie. Totally different types of films and stories, but right. I don't know. It, it just reminded me of that. And to take nothing away from this because obviously it's, you know, directed and written by by its visionary. And I really enjoyed this. Um, the, I don't want to say version because it's not a version. It just is it, right? This mm-hmm. iteration of mm-hmm. the material. However, like, let's say in another world, uh, Danielle would have known the person who died, like, really well, right? And mm-hmm. his intense grief, right? And goes to this this shiva, and it's directed by Ari Aster. <laughs> like, <laughs> right. I feel like similar result. Yeah. Oh, gosh, yeah. <laughs> Except much darker ending, right. perhaps, in the van. Yeah, more bloodshed. The van is lit, lit on fire, <laughs> rolling down yeah, the highway. More dismemberment. Yeah. <laughs> Maureen, you go in the back. <laughs> uh, gotta give... I don't know if... It... <laughs> I may watch that again soon. <laughs> Gotta uh, shout out Fred Malamed. I don't know if we've mentioned him yet, yeah. but he is kind of perfect and in, in, uh he's such a great supporting 
character actor. He just makes things work by being around. Uh, and who's the mom? Is that um, Polly Draper? Polly Draper. I felt like they were both pitch per- perfect because they had some difficult roles because they exist in the movie both in reality and in her fantasies of them. Mm-hmm. You know, or her percept, her panicked perceptions of them, mm-hmm. and like especially that one sequence, you know, where it almost gets like carnivally clownish, where the the whole way it's shot is different, yeah, and the things that they're saying make no sense, and it's like a like you've entered a nightmare, mm-hmm. and they have to be able to play it both ways, and I feel like they were really good at that. Yeah, yeah, uh, tough too because I mean, especially Malamed, but both of them are are almost straight up comedy mm-hmm. characters but grounded enough to keep it it working. Uh, all right. Taking a slight should turn we... now. Yes. <laughs> yeah, well, maybe we should cleanse the palate by just take briefly talking about the two little uh, horror Perfect. curveballs there. Um, so I don't even remember why either of these came up. I think I'm watching them for some something I was reading or listening to. I re-watched... Uh, drag me to hell and i watched for the first time the people under the stairs and i just mentioned them to you and you uh took me up on it and watched them and so yeah um i don't want to give them the full treatment i think we're already running long and we have a a a pretty juicy one left to talk about so i guess just generally what are your thoughts on these movies i enjoyed them both and i have some specific thoughts all right, so people under first off, I had seen neither of these before. People under the mm-hmm. stairs, I legit enjoyed. I, I feel like it's exactly that place of campy horror that is my sweet spot. I don't know what it's mm-hmm. trying to say. Mm-hmm. I liked that it um, included themes of race and actually spoke to them, you know, right. rather than rather than just making it all white or trying to incorporate black characters that didn't seem true. I felt like it was a little ahead of its time in that way. Um, I loved the villains. They're preposterous. <laughs> Insane performances. Insanely preposterous. I loved it. <laughs> it was so good. Well, basically what happens if you haven't seen this is that there's this house that is on utter lockdown. And for reasons that don't really matter, um, the prota- I mean, they do matter to the protagonist, but the protagonist uh, gets into this house. And once you're in, you just can't get out. And there are people who have been trapped in there through the years. They live under the stairs. It's kind of a zombie community. And they're kind of friends and kind of kind of your friends and kind of not. And all of the walls and the mm-hmm. and, and have different passageways. And there's always an escape out of whatever room you're in. The house was fascinating. It was creative, almost like a like that being John Malkovich uh, sequence in the subconscious, where mm-hmm. there's just like always a, a, a door to get out of where you are and escape to somewhere else. The two villains who live in the house and who are so afraid of people on the outside, they have a young daughter who's also kind of an ally. Um, and then it became kind of like a, I don't want to say like parasite-like because this came first, mm-hmm. but but sort of a, a has a, has something to say about the haves and the have-nots and about um, how people are losing all their housing at the, because the uh, people with the house are taking it all as their landlords and yet they don't enjoy their life in their nice house. They keep it on such terrible lockdown and they seem only to exist to suck the life out of everybody else. Yeah. Um, anyway, I, I really yeah. enjoyed people under the stairs. 
Yeah, a, a quintessentially American tale mm-hmm. and uh, still relevant. And in a weird way, I know I'm always making these stupid little comparisons, but I guess I can't help it. Uh, it made me think of Blue Collar in that you have a very, this is Wes Craven writing and directing this movie, and mm-hmm. he's always got something to say. And I, lo- I love the way he uses horror. I don't always love his movies, but they're always interesting. But it reminded me in a weird way of what Schrader did in uh, you know, an old kind of crusty white guy with strong opinions about politics and stuff, daring to write uh, black characters in a way that really wants to say something probably wouldn't pass these days uh, in terms of vernacular and portrayal and whatever, well, but, not. but um, still a very interesting swing. And the fact that they take the time to do it and seem genuinely interested in these perspectives uh, when creating pop entertainment um, but you know, that has a social conscience. I, I yeah, I, all that stuff was fascinating to me, but it really boils down to the lunacy of the performances. Mm-hmm. I like the kid fool. I like the main character. Right. Kids can be so obnoxious when you spend a whole movie with a kid and especially a kid in a horror movie, but I thought he was great. Uh, really cool to see young Ving Rhames. Uh, yeah, it's a lot of fun. Um, recommended. Mm-hmm. So Drag Me to Hell, you had mentioned to me already that you didn't have as much resonance with that. You didn't enjoy it so much. Uh, I'll briefly defend it, I guess, before we move on to more important things. But... You tricked me, <laughs> you bitch. <laughs> I like that scene. That, yeah, you got to love that. So this is, uh, a, this is somewhat of a holds up for me because I saw okay. this way back when. I did not see it in the movies, but I saw it long enough ago that I... It, it, it took a, a, a new viewing to see how I feel. And this is Sam Raimi who had cut his teeth making horror movies like the evil dead. Are you an evil dead army of darkness guy? Yeah. Have you ever caught up with those? Those are, so he made this movie called army of uh, called evil dead in the late seventies. And then he remade it, I think in 1980, uh, they called it evil dead too, but really it's, it was a remake of the low budget evil dead, but where he kind of felt liberated to do what he really wanted to do which was bonkers comedy. So he kind of mixes horror and comedy in this weird Looney Tunes kind of way. Then he becomes a big director and he makes Spider-Man movies and everything like that. And Drag Me to Hell was him kind of after having a lot of mainstream success coming back and doing another horror movie, a PG-13 horror movie, uh, which is just kind of this weird little morality tale about a girl who gets cursed by a gypsy, something else you probably couldn't do today. And... uh, her, she's Allison Loman and her boyfriend is Justin Long. And it's just basically this gypsy curse playing out and this demon goat spirit haunting her. And it gets crazier and crazier. And at one point, an anvil falls on an old lady's head and her eyeballs pop out and splat into the girl's mouth. And I don't know. Uh, <laughs> there's an audacity to it, for a, especially for a PG-13 horror movie, to be so gross to be so funny and so crazy. I don't love it. I would, I would recommend people under the stairs more highly as well. Oh, for sure. Uh, but I just, I, there's an, there's just a, a spirit to this movie. That's always delighted me. And I think it's hilarious. I mean, it does give what it promises. I'll yes. give it that. Yes. I think it has a pleasing lead performance. I like the actress. Mm-hmm. Um, I did read this on Eber. Eber's like, I think she and her boyfriend practice abstinence. <laughs> <laughs> it's like, it does kind of read like that. Yes, yeah. Um, they share a bed, but yeah, there's no uh, right. And I know that with on. with horror, of course, you're suspending your disbelief. 
I feel like this story pushed too hard, too far, too fast, too mm-hmm. much. It entered reality, and she's still living in reality with these unreality things happening, right? I feel right. like horror has to happen bit by bit. It has to get has to start with something that's just on the edge of believability so that the person gets to it. And then they keep following the trail like that. And by the time it gets really crazy, everybody's hooked and nobody cares. Right. That, that first scene with the woman in the bank, mm-hmm. that's an unthinkable thing to happen mm-hmm. it, it, during, during your job. And then to be attacked like that right. and just to think nothing of it, that was a vicious yeah. attack in the right. car. And she just kind of goes with it. And the boyfriend just kind of goes with it. And yeah. she she's experiencing some significant spiritual oppression, and she just treats it like, mm-hmm. oh, maybe my maybe I just have a headache, right. and no one would, and that and that is where it it lost me, and mm-hmm. there, and I didn't understand, the, and what did she do wrong? I know they're trying to put mm-hmm. up that the bank is vicious and doesn't care about people, but it's not like this was like a sweet old woman. She's a vicious crone. Right. You know, like I don't, I don't have any sympathy for her, and she's been given extension after extension. Perhaps she can't afford her house. I'm not saying I want her to live on the street, but mm-hmm. just saying we won't grant you another extension isn't right. something that the audience can go along with. Is like, oh yeah, that's justification for cursing her forever. Mm-hmm. Come on, <laughs> right? Yeah, I think it's just a very loose framework for putting a character in a nightmare scenario. And it's interesting that it doesn't take place in like a horror movie world. She doesn't work at a gothic bank with no. a giant stone village. No. She works at a very normal strip mall bank. And every, and her problems are very kind of relatable and normal. And then this cartoon gypsy walks in right. and just destroys her existence. And, and nobody I th- thinks I... anything of it. Like when she has a nosebleed. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Spraying that's just like a, a spraying projectile nosebleed. She's kind of like, oh yeah, that's kind of strange. And in the next yeah. next nary a backward glance by the next scene, yeah. nobody else in the bank thinks, wow, that was weird, right. strange. Who is our coworker? What's happening? <laughs> huh. Yeah. I but through it all, I picture Sam Raimi just laughing, thinking oh. that he's getting away with it because that's just the kind of. And I, I think it has more to do with his other work i think it's a contextual thing where yeah if you just walked i think teenagers would have a blast with this at a midnight screening but i think if you're going to look at it on its own as a film yeah it's extremely weird it's i want a different auteur i want john waters to film this script <laughs> yeah. with some edits <laughs> well that would be quite a trip that would be a lot of fun all right that's probably enough of those but um you know they both exist check mm-hmm. them out mm-hmm. um all right. Well, we are we are already at an hour, so uh, that's cool with me. I think this has been choice, choice convo. Sure. I mean, do you want when... to save the last one for another time, or do you want to go? All right, we can do that. Yeah, let's do that. I feel like this is like a lot to bite off. Yes. Yeah. We're talking about Quovati Saida, in case right. anyone wonders what the big mystery movie is. Yeah. All right. Uh, thanks for listening. We'll be back. Uh, our music's by Jonah Rapino. Our show is by us. Uh, bless you goodbye nice all right uh edit point there this has been our podcast dan i guess we did it i mean we didn't we we failed what we thought we'd do
I guess that's true. But, we came, but we, we did decide to quit talking. Somebody who listened to this whole hour <laughs> so that we would get to. <laughs> well, I guess I won't put that fourth title in the <laughs> title of the show then.